It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, October 10th, the Breast Milk Taste Test Edition. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, a journalist and host of the podcast Crime Writers On. I live in New Hampshire, and my kids are Henry, who's 18, Teddy, who is 16 and a half, and my stepdaughter, Lily, who is 19. And I'm Dan Kois. I'm an editor at Slate and the author of How to Be a Family. In stores now, I'm the dad of Lyra, who's 14, and Harper, who is 12. Today on the show, we've got a question from a parent wondering whether it's cool or weird to let her six-year-old sample her breast milk, plus a question about whether it's okay or not okay to be super annoyed by a chatty kid at the theater. And on Slate Plus, I'll talk more about an announcement I'm making on today's show. If you want to hear that conversation, join us on Slate Plus at slate.com slash momanddadplus. Now, on to the show. Before we begin... I thought I would point out that several listeners uh, on the Facebook page to last week's episode thought that I was a little yelly, that I was a little angry <laughs> last week, that I was yelling at dads too much. Uh, some people were mm. like, why, why, are, why are they yelling? They, they also pointed to your yelling the week before when you, were, you, had, you got exercised about a few things. Um, and then also several dads were like, Dan, you're being you're being too mean to dads. When you literally mm. say "fuck that dad," you're being too mean <laughs> to dads. Uh, now, I would counter that the show is not called "Mom and Dad Are Soothing." The show is called "Mom and Dad Are Fighting," so we do yell sometimes. Correct. But I'm going to try, Rebecca, to tone it down this week a little. I'm going to try not to yell, and I'm going to be nice to dads should the occasion arise. Yes, because that's what men need is special attention and people to be nicer to them. I mean, I love it when people are nice to me, Rebecca. (laughs) I don't think I should treat other dads any differently than I would like to be treated myself. Okay. (laughs) I'm fine with yelling. I do think the show is called Mom and Dad are Fighting for a Reason. And I did not think that you were over the top in your declarations of fuck that dad to that dad because I felt the same way. So... I appreciate you responding to the audience's needs, though. That's very audience-centric of you, and that's always good. We'll see. We'll see if I can make it through a whole show without yelling. I can't wait to find out. (laughs) Well, I have something that I wanted to talk about before we did Triumphs and Fails, if that's okay, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. Well, at the end of this month, I will be stepping away as a regular host of Mom and Dad are Fighting for a variety of reasons. (laughs) Yes, it's true. Um, But I do hope to still be on occasionally as a pinch hitter, I believe, in soap opera land that's called Bumping Yourself Down to recurring status. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will talk about that more in Slate Plus, what went into that decision, and we can just like chat about it a little bit. But yes, it's happening. I am stepping away as a regular person on this podcast. Dan, now you'll have one for your person to like worry about whether or not they yell. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we'll hire a yeller to replace you, but I still yes. I don't think they'll truly be able to replace your yelling 
which is world caliber. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. You're welcome. My kids wouldn't agree. But anyway, I appreciate the compliment. All right. Do you have a triumph or fail this week, Dan Coyce? I have a fail. Uh, it is sort of a parenting fail. More broadly, it is a, a parenting life culinary and career fail. Uh, it really hits the four quadrants of failure. Um, so this weekend I was in my uh, hometown, the place I grew up, beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin, um, a great place by a great lake, doing a book reading um, at a bookstore on the east side. And while I was in Milwaukee, this thing happened, which happens to characters in um, movies and in YA novels and stuff, but I never thought would happen to me. But it, my past caught up with me. Uh, so after the reading, my dad and his wife wanted to take us all to cops. My, my kids were at the reading. They actually participated in the reading wonderfully. They did a lovely job. Um, they want to take us to cops, which is the world's tastiest frozen custard stand. Uh, and I really wanted to go, obviously it's a delicious, uh, place to get frozen custard. And in fact, I hadn't eaten dinner and I really wanted a burger. Um, but due to, uh, an error I made 12 years ago, I can no longer comfortably go to Cops Frozen Custard on Silver Spring Avenue in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So what happened was way back in 2010 um, – uh, oh, wait. It was – no, sorry. It was earlier than that. What happened was way back in 2007, um, a manager at Cops Frozen Custard, uh, due to like a dumb series of events, as is always the case, became a like minor Fox News hero for like – 20 minutes for like two segments on Fox News, but he's like very briefly in the news. And that manager was once my boss. In fact, he was my nemesis when I worked at Cops in like 1994 uh, or huh. maybe even earlier. It was like 1993. It was very, it was a long <laughs> time ago. And that manager uh, was once my boss. In fact, he was my nemesis. Uh, when I worked at cops in like 1990 or 91, like my junior year in high school. Um, and he still was working there then. Um, at the time I worked for New York magazine, uh, the nymag.com. It was my first real journalism job after uh, several years doing other stuff. Um, and my job was to write blog posts as quickly as possible. So I wrote a snarky blog post about this guy and cops in like 10 minutes. And then just immediately stopped thinking about it, like went on to write the other 12 to 14 blog posts I had to write that day. Uh, but so then the next time I was in Milwaukee, maybe six months later, uh, I went to cops and I ordered a malt. And then when my number came up, I went up to the counter and it was him at the counter mm. holding the malt. And he looked right in my <laughs> eyes and he said, I saw that thing you wrote. <gasps> and I <laughs> didn't say anything. And I took the malt <laughs> and I left the restaurant and I threw the malt in the garbage can. Yeah. And now it's 11 years later. And every time I go to Milwaukee, all I want to do is go to cops. But he works Saturday nights, I guess, because every time I go there on a Saturday night, there he is at the counter, like waiting for me. And so then I just turn around and leave or, uh, hmm. or I send my kids up to order and I hide behind a pillar um, but I can't like face him, uh, because he knows what I wrote. He read the thing I wrote. Uh, so this weekend, my dad wanted us all to go to cops after like for a celebratory family 
evening with his grandchildren and his son of whom he was so proud. And I just couldn't face the whole fucking thing. So I just told my dad, you know what? Take the kids, take them to cops, have a great time. Uh, I'll drive mom home. (laughs) I'll see you later. So I missed celebratory frozen custard. I missed this like great family event. It would have been so delicious. It would have been meaningful and moving. Uh, But I blew it. All right. How about you? Do you have a triumph or a fail this week? I've got a triumph. It's a sad one. Uh, I know I teased this a little bit last week that this was going to happen, but we did have to put our dog down um, since the last time we recorded together, our our older, smaller dog, Bridie. And... um, we had a lot of back and forth, my husband and I. We actually got into a huge argument last week when it was very clear that she was definitely dying. And it was just a matter of, like, whether or not we put her down and it's, like, peaceful and cool or maybe she just craters and has, like, a horrible, painful, traumatic death at home and then we have to take her, like, the emergency veterinarian to get her piece put in. I've been through the latter before, so I felt very confident that putting her down kind of proactively while she still had, like, a little bit of herself left in herself was the right thing to do. He felt very strongly that he wanted the uh, to, to get a chance for his daughter to come home from college and for Teddy to be around. And our argument was basically just like, if even if we wait a day or two, like that horrible trauma could happen. And then I'll be pissed that like we were selfish about just not putting this poor dog down. Anyway, it all worked out. Uh, we sort of compromised. We decided to do it very early Saturday morning. And, um, you know, my stepdaughter came home from college the night before and we had like a perfect night with the dog and it was really wonderful. And then we all went together and had her put down and it was so sad. And my son, Teddy, he is, by the way, I don't know if I've ever said this in the show, like he's gigantic. Like he's like... He's he's uh, he's only like five ten or five eleven, but he's one of those people like he just has a huge head and like big arms and big legs. Like he looks like a giant person, even though he's not super tall, and he looks very. You know, uh, he looks very much in that sort of second half of puberty. Like um, you can tell what he's like as a man, kind of. Right. And he had like a complete emotional breakdown at the vet was crying hysterically like in hysterics was so sad and it was so it was actually in a way we all agreed later much harder to see his breakdown than it was to put our dog down like it was it was sadder because like the real the real like impact of it was just so visceral um but the triumph of it is is that afterward um you know we kind of sat for a while and then we went to uh, downtown Concord that has like a farmer's market every Saturday and we did some walking around and we met tons of dogs because it's like the kind of town where people like bring their dogs out on Saturday and we had all these like long talks about like what Bridie had meant to us and how dogs are so worth it because you get so much love and it ended up just being like really really in a weird way beautiful and fun like we had a really really good day like a healing bonding day and my son had had this huge break down and he'd been really afraid to go and like sort of his worst case scenario happened where like he had had this big breakdown but then he like got through it and we kind of all agreed later including him that it would have been if he hadn't gone and had that like cathartic big breakdown that he could have like been like that for days and not gone through the whole arc of like saying goodbye to her and then being with the family and like walking around and going to get breakfast together and like all the stuff we did like our whole day was basically structured around the fact that we'd done this hard thing and we ended up having like a wonderful wonderful day together a very healing day and I'm just really proud of him I'm proud of him for being the kind of kid that like 
is comfortable <laughs> crying hysterically in a public place. Like I felt I did feel kind of bad for the poor people who were just there to get their cats like shots or whatever. And they had this like giant kid like weeping in the in the waiting room. But um, it was really great. And I'm super proud of him. And it ended up being kind of a triumph, even though it was a super sad day for our family. Uh, well, rest in peace, Bridie. I'm sorry for your loss, but I'm glad that that dog had a long and great life with you guys. Thanks. We are, too. She was really great. Actually, to be honest, she kind of sucked as dogs go, but we loved her a lot. And she was really great. It's time to tell the truth about Brady. <laughs> even you love even the sucky dogs, though. That's exactly. Just the way it goes. Exactly. That's what's so great about them. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, let's do some business. Slate's parenting newsletter is the very best place to be notified about all of our parenting content, including mom and dad are fighting, care and feeding, ask a teacher, and much more. And... It's like getting a personal email from Dan Coyce. I really like it. You can sign up at slate.com slash parenting email. As always, if you have a question you want us to answer on the podcast, leave us a message at 424-255-7833, or you can email us at slate.com and your question could get read by the amazing Shasha Leonard. Also, check out our Facebook group. Just search for Slate Parenting on Facebook. It's a fun community, and we moderate the heck out of it, so it doesn't get out of control. Even I kick people out of the Facebook group. In Slate Plus today, an in-depth explanation of why I'm stepping down as one of the co-hosts of Mom and Dad are Fighting. Here's a little taste of that conversation. It doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel like I'm doing my best work, but also makes me sort of wonder like whether it's not time to bring in like a different parent to tackle some of these issues, to give a different perspective. To hear segments like that and to get ad-free podcasts, sign up for our membership program, Slate Plus. It's a great way to support the show. For just $35 for your first year, you can help cover the cost of producing Mom and Dad are Fighting and your other favorite Slate shows. And in return, you'll get extended ad-free versions of this show and other Slate shows and a ton of other great perks. So support Mom and Dad are Fighting. Go to Slate.com slash Mom and Dad Plus and join Slate Plus today. Okay, back to the show. Before we go back to the show, I would like to reinforce one of those announcements, which is uh, send us questions. We really... <laughs> Please. We, uh, are, we had a shortage of questions this week, in part because we recorded a little earlier than usual. But um, if you like listening to the podcast, um, send us something that's been bugging you about parenting or something you'd like us to talk about or an issue you want to raise. Uh, it can be an advice-style question or it can just be something about a parenting issue that you've been thinking about a lot. But we really want to hear from you because we want the show to reflect what you, our listeners, uh, want to hear from us, like less yelling and other questions. So send us some <laughs> questions, mom and dad at slate.com. 
Do it. You won't regret it. All right, our first listener question for this show. This one was sent by email to slate.com and it's being read for us by Shasha Leonar. My daughter is six, and I am 33 weeks pregnant. She's really excited about the imminent arrival of her new sibling. I told her how babies get nutrients from breast milk or formula milk, and that, at least for a little while, the baby will probably be breastfeeding, as she did as a baby. I enjoyed breastfeeding the first time round, so we'll probably give it a go again. Recently, she asked me if she would be able to taste my breast milk. I said yes, but not for my breast, and that I'd put some in a cup for her. My husband and I both tried it this way the first time around, just out of curiosity. When I casually mentioned this to a friend yesterday, they were horrified that I would even consider letting my daughter taste it. So, am I a weirdo? Should I have a boundary around my breast milk? Thanks. Dan, I have thoughts, but I've just been talking for two straight minutes, so I'd love for you to share your thoughts first, and then I will share my thoughts. I don't think that this is like a real issue. Like, I just... I think there's no reason to have boundaries around your breast milk. There's no reason to worry about letting your kid taste your breast milk. There's like breast milk is just a food that babies eat. And it is slightly weird that it comes out of your boob. But nonetheless, we all have had it, almost all of us. And and I think that like the value of normalizing for your kid that this is a thing that women, mothers – often do, that it's a thing that babies eat, that it's just a totally natural part of your body and not anything to like hide or be ashamed of or to feel weird about, far outweighs any sort of queasiness about my kids drinking something that came out of my body. Um, I just think that like, that like the ability to give that to your daughter is actually pretty valuable and not really that weird at all. And you, I encourage you to get over any weirdness that you might feel. But that leads me to a broader question, which is, uh, and I want to hear what you have to say about it, Rebecca, but I also want to know, like, Rebecca, did everyone in your family taste your breast milk? Uh, <laughs> and I'll tell you what happened in our family. I don't remember if everyone I know I did I was super curious you know yeah. and I was like um, you know I did not have any luck breastfeeding either of the kids so I pumped for a couple of months so I always had like these like big bags of milk like in the freezer yeah the Medela like bags yeah and uh, you know just like the latching on just was not did not happen with either one of my kids and uh, but I you know I pumped for a couple months with both and of course I was curious and it's interesting to me that there would even like I mean, you talked about it like being a little weird that it comes out of your boob. It's only weird because we've decided it's weird. It's not weird. I mean, milk comes out of somebody's boob no matter what kind of milk it is. That's a fair point. Cow's milk comes out of a cow boob. (laughs) Like goat milk comes out of a goat boob. And it's just arbitrary that we've, you know, or that apparently this woman's friend has decided that there should be some sort of weird boundary about it. I mean, I understand like you might not want to say like, hey, why don't you just start having breast milk on your cereal from now on, kid? Because it is, you know, for the baby and it's, you know, not for everyone. There might be some stuff there and there might be some health issues that I don't know about uh, that I'm just kind of talking, you know, out of my boob about. But there are not. Um, there are not. I would just state for the I don't record. think there are, right? There are. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, like, no. I mean, I mean, this is uh, I, I think it's weird that somebody would think this was weird. And if you are friends with somebody that thinks it's weird, I'm not going to yell. But fuck that friend. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
It's not weird. You shouldn't have boundaries around your breast milk. You should talk about it openly. You should raise the kind of kids that have no discomfort when they see a mother feeding her child in a public place or on a train or in a theater or anywhere else at work that they decide to do it. You should have total and complete comfort about it. It's a wonderful value to pass along. And you should let your daughter taste it whenever or however she wants to out of a cup, whatever you decide is appropriate. And it's fine. It's completely fine. You're not hurting anybody and you're not, you know, doing anything wrong here. But yeah, of course I tasted mine. It was, you know, I, I don't like remember much about it, but I don't think anyone else did. I think it was pretty much just me. I was curious. Uh, I definitely tasted uh, Holly's breast milk, <laughs> as did uh, at one point. So what happened was um, it was like maybe a month after Lyra was born and her brother came to visit and he was like, well, have you tasted the breast milk yet? And I was like, no, but I really want to. And he was like, I want, well, what does it taste like? I want to know too. So we both tasted it. Um, we had like a little sample, you know, just like a shot glass with a little bit in. And we didn't tell Alia that we were doing it because that was the <laughs> point where for her nursing also was very difficult. Um, she yeah. also had supply issues. And so like every drop that she pumped out of her breasts <laughs> was like gold that she had yeah. like that she had produced by the toil of her brow. And so if she had known that we were like stealing some out of those Medela bags and doing shots, she would have been like, that was like an hour of work that you just consumed. Well, how could you do that to me? Uh, but I remember I can still like summon to my mind that flavor, like right now, it was a very striking flavor. And I recommend anyone mm. who has wondered about it to like, give it a try. You'll never taste anything <laughs> like it. But I was so glad that I did it and tried it. Um, what do you say to that friend, to the friend who is horrified? I don't, I mean, I don't, I, like, I'm not exactly at fuck that friend, but I, I do agree that it's like weirder that the friend was had an opinion and expressed it to you than it is that you were thinking about doing it in the first place. And I think it's worth going back to the friend and being like, hey, when you were horrified, it made me second guess myself. But with the help of my friends on mom and dad are fighting, I have been thinking about this. And I really think that it's not weird and that it's valuable to give my child this experience that she's interested in. And that to tell me it's weird is like a way of marginalizing this totally human thing. And a thing that is like specific to women. So there's like a huge undercurrent of sexism here too that, you know, is kind of just around the whole breastfeeding conversation generally. Like the idea that we'd be icked out by any part of it is problematic. I think it's worth circling around with that friend too, because if you want to stay friends with this person, you know, when you have kids and you want to talk about parenting stuff, like I think it's important to be comfortable with who you are or maybe just learn that you have the kind of friendship where you just can't talk about real shit. Some friendships are like that, you know? All right. Well, we'd love to hear what happens. What does your what does your six-year-old think of the breast milk? For now, I think we should uh, move on to our next question. This one also came in by email and it's also being read by Shasha Leonar. Dear Mom and Dad are fighting. I recently attended a theater performance for a national touring company of a Broadway production. The show is child-themed, but the ticket prices were not insignificant, at $85 per seat. I was seated two seats from the aisle, directly next to a young boy, with a female adult accompanying him seated on the aisle. During the first half of the performance, the child spoke frequently, and the woman engaged with him every time. Often the child was quietly listening attentively to the performance, and the adult would start a dialogue with the child. This went on for the entire first half of the performance. 
I did manage to catch the adult's eyes once while she was happily chattering away, at which point she managed to quiet down for a matter of moments. The child, who I was later informed was six, was also unable to remain seated without a lot of fidgeting. During the fidgeting, I was kicked multiple times and elbowed in the head repeatedly. At the beginning of the intermission, I turned to my teenage daughter and asked her if she would switch seats with me. Clearly having observed what was going on, she refused. I then said something to the effect of, what, you don't think you'd enjoy being repeatedly kicked and elbowed and having constant chatter? In response, the adult to my right raised her voice to tell me I was a miserable human and should have done everyone a favor by staying home. The child was six, the performance was for children, and I should grow up. I simply laughed in response because her tone and volume indicated that there was no opportunity for a reasoned discussion. When I did attempt to respond, she simply raised her voice over me. The second half went better for me and worse for the people seated in front of the pair. Should I have been more accepting of the child's behavior or should I have had some expectation that I not have my theater experience impaired by a parent who models poor behavior? Thanks. Aggravated in Albany. Dan Coyce, I know you've got thoughts. Go. Lady, I did a little research. I believe that I have identified the Broadway tour that you attended at the Proctor's Theater in Albany, New York, Mm -hmm. the show that you spent $170 on for two tickets for you and your teenage daughter, the show that was ruined for you by a six-year-old fidgeting. That show was the SpongeBob musical, a show about the (gasps) children's cartoon character SpongeBob SquarePants. Wow. Now look. Good detective work. Look, I understand that sometimes kids out in the world are a drag. It sucks to have a baby cry next to you on a plane. It sucks to like be at a restaurant and have a kid talking loudly at the next table. Uh, and if it sucks for you, I just urge you not to worry. Pretty much every parent is keenly aware of how much the world resents their presence anywhere when they have small children. That's why they look so miserable on the plane. That's why they keep shushing their kid at the restaurant table and then they distract him with a phone and then they don't say anything when you're like, oh, those shitty parents just giving their baby a phone. How dare they? Uh, But you had this experience, right, Rebecca? When you were a parent with small kids, you would go out in public to a place where, you know what? You just got to be there in public with your kid because we live in a society and your kid would be acting like a kid and you would be like mortified and doing your fucking damnedest to like get the kid to behave because you know that people are pissed, right? Yeah. And it's interesting that you track down what the show is. I do think that contextually that makes a difference. I really do. But also, I mean, I just, what really struck me about this email was like, we can agree that sometimes you're next to either, uh, you know, at an event or a public place next to like a kid who is not behaving great, but also like a parent who's not doing great in like their self-awareness about how their kid is being, which I think is like the trigger for this person is that the mother wasn't like trying, wasn't being apologetic about it, right? She wasn't like, oh, shh, you know, like she was like participating in the disruption. And that was sort of the aggravating factor. But... What's interesting to me about this kind of situation is when you find yourself in it, you actually do have a choice. And that choice is really like you can be a good and patient, understanding person or you can be a jackhole. Right. And it does bother me that uh, this person who you know paid money for this ticket and was so 
aggravated and angry by the experience of sitting next to this family, the way they wanted to handle it was to put their teenage child in the very seat that was such an irritating <laughs> place to be. <laughs> like better her than me tells me yeah that basically tells me is that like it's kind of like about that that moment like it's about you and your enjoyment and sort of the lack of awareness that you actually could be a good and helpful person by being tolerant and smiling and maybe politely saying to the mom during intermission oh my gosh you guys are so chatty uh i totally get it um you know i'm a little hard of hearing um i would never ask you to like you know not bring your kid i'm so glad your kid is here but just fyi maybe like take it down a decibel that would be really great i really appreciate it and be apologetic and there are ways to kind of address people but i promise you like this parent knows and it's it's a whole thing and i and 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 the this sort of decision to be angry and to like throw your teenage kid to the slaughter by like instead of just being like a kind buffer that was a choice you made and i feel the same way on airplanes like crying babies like babies cannot fucking help it on airplane can't help it they are babies and when people get mad at babies it makes me so mad because i'm like again you have a choice you can be patient and just understand that flying is freaking awful and weird for babies and they will cry and we all did it because we were all babies once and you can smile and you can give the mom sympathetic looks and ask if you can help and you can be cool and you cannot be an asshole about it. like that is a choice you get to make in the moment and um i do think aggravated in albany perhaps made the wrong choice i'm not saying the feelings were wrong you can't help how you feel right <laughs> but you know the response i think was a little much now you may be listening aggravated in albany and you may be like these people don't understand but i would like you to think about it at least for a minute from the mom's point of view, right? You are a mom taking your child to a musical, maybe his first ever musical. Um, you also paid $85 per ticket for the seats. Um, the musical is about SpongeBob SquarePants, a beloved cartoon character on Nickelodeon. You are trying to engage your child through this children's entertainment. You're, I'm sure, also doing your best to keep him from fidgeting. You have no desire for him to hit people sitting next to him. And then at intermission, some woman sitting next to your kid loudly announces to everyone around you in the guise of talking to her teenager how your child is just awful and is behaving awfully. You hear it. Your kid hears it. Everyone around you hears it. If this was you and this was – remember when your teenager was six – and this was her, your six-year-old, how would you feel if someone did that to your daughter? Would you feel like your child's experience had been somewhat ruined, that someone had taken out their frustrations over totally normal six-year-old behavior at an entertainment event meant for six-year-olds on your kid and, like, spoiled this evening you spent a shitload of money on? Like, you would be very upset. And you, you know, in reporting this to us, you said uh, that the woman said you're a miserable human and you should have done everyone a favor by staying home. Uh, that's a harsh response. But uh, I totally understand that response because I cannot stress enough to you, lady. You are not at slave play. You are not at Angels in America. You are not even at like Oklahoma. You are at the SpongeBob fucking SquarePants musical. <laughs> A show for children, 
and you got all pissed off about a six-year-old behaving like a totally normal six-year-old. Yeah. I yelled. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Rebecca yeah. is right. Yeah. You have the right yeah. to be aggravated. <laughs> Everyone has the right to be aggravated. This is America, though I would encourage yeah. you to relax. But you were mm. absolutely wrong to complain loudly about it. You were wrong. That mom was right. You should have done everyone a favor and stayed home. <laughs> All right. Now it's time for the part of the podcast where we share something we like, something our kids like, something our whole family likes. Yes, it is time for recommendations. Dan, what is your recommendation for our listeners this week? Great name for this segment. Uh, I recommend Cops Frozen Custard in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A wonderful <laughs> place to go with your family on a Saturday night. I recommend the chocolate malt. Every day they have a flavor of the day, a different flavor in addition to the chocolate and vanilla custard. They already make uh, by hand um, at every location. There are, I believe, four locations around the Milwaukee area. Uh, they have great burgers. They have a great – this month, actually, October, the October Sunday of the month is uh, the Caramel Apple Sunday. It's delicious. Can't recommend Cops Frozen Custard enough. How about you, Rebecca? That's great. That's really nice of you. You're doing your uh, due diligence and making up for, you know, your behavior of years ago. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to recommend something that's objectively awful and that I hate, <laughs> but that my kids, like, really like. <laughs> Two of my kids in particular like it. Teddy and Lily like it. Henry just also agrees that it's awful. And by the way, Teddy and Lily like it, ironically. They also agree that it's awful, but they have a hell of a lot of fun watching it. And that is this terrible, terrible TV show on the Travel Channel called Ghost Adventures in which this hapless dude named Zach, who is maybe the worst broadcaster in the history of television, uh, and his band of weirdo friends investigate hauntings at buildings and old houses, and they do that thing where they, like, have those in, like those instruments where they collect, like, audio from the room and they play it back, and it just sounds like, shh, but they're like, did you hear that? The ghost said, get out, and it's just like, shh. And like, of course, you can't hear because it didn't happen. But like, it's objectively awful. And my kids freaking love watching it together. And apparently, like a lot of their teenage friends also love watching this show. It's like, they like the absurdity of it. They like the the structure of it. They like the weird, obviously kind of fake portions of it. Um, but anyway, yes, that's Ghost Adventures on the Travel Channel. Objectively awful, but teens really seem to like it. So that is my recommendation for this week. And I do like watching it with them because it they they don't like it to the extent where like if we make fun of it, like they're not insulted by it. You know what I mean? Uh, but it's bad. It's real bad. And I can't recommend it highly enough. Ghost Adventures. That's the greatest <laughs> recommendation. I highly recommend this terrible thing. I'm glad that you've taught your kids, or maybe they just picked it up through the ether, uh, ironic appreciation. I thought that that kind of shit died with Gen X, but I'm glad that it's alive no, and well with the younger generation. No, it didn't. Generation. It didn't. Good. Another um, experience we had this weekend with TV was Lily is watching that old Showtime series, The Tudors. Oh, wow. And she was watching it in our living room. And I don't know if you've ever seen like a minute of that no, show, that, Dan, but it's basically like softcore pornography. Yeah. <laughs> like so much ridiculous sex up against trees. Like it's crazy. And uh, yeah, so that is not my recommendation for this week. Do not watch The Tutors with your kids. But do watch the objectively terrible ghost <laughs> adventures with your kids. There's no nudity. None. 
All right, that is our show. Again, if you have a question you want to ask us, please do that. Leave us a message at 424-255-7833 or email us at slate.com and join us on Facebook. Just search for Slate Parenting there. Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Jess Jupiter. I'm Rebecca Lavoie and Dan Kois. It was awful nice talking to you this week. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, Slate Plus members. Welcome to the Slate Plus bonus segment of Mom and Dad are Fighting. We're so happy to have you here, and we're so grateful to the support that you give to Slate by being members of Slate Plus. Uh Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.